Welcome to Marquette Missionary Church. Here is today's message. Well, let's get into the word today. Um, If you were not here last week, Garrett did an amazing job. Thank you, Garrett. I've heard nothing but wonderful things about uh, last week's service. Uh, We are very, very blessed to be having Garrett here. He is uh, taking Bible classes, studying, and um, every time he preaches, I enjoy it, and uh, it is always very good here. So, well, this week, um, I was thinking about jumping into a series this week, um, but I decided not to, and kind of my thinking behind it there was that it's still August. You know, I kind of want to start one at the beginning of the month. I don't really know why. Does it really matter? No, probably not. You know, I don't really get it. But I was like, you know what? I, I've got this series lined up that we will be starting next week coming out of Matthew 10. But today I want to take a stop in the book of James. Um, I love the book of James. If you look at the book of James as a whole, it's kind of like a New Testament proverb. It's kind of, James kind of jumps all over the place here. He'll be talking about one topic, and then he jumps into another, and then he circles back to the previous topic. But I wanted to just kind of take a pause and look at James chapter 2, and the title of today's message is Partial. Now, you might be thinking that is kind of a weird name for a title. I would agree, so I'll just let you know that. I think it's kind of weird too, but I picked it and we're going to preach on it, okay? <laughs> so, James chapter 2, uh, we're going to be looking at here, and I do got a, a question for you before we dive into James 2. Have you ever been partial towards someone before? Have you ever had someone in your life or people in your life where you maybe favor them over someone else? And the answer to this question is, a resound yes, we've all had this. We've all had unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared to another. Um, being partial is part of the human race. And I would argue it's one of our greatest struggles within us. We all, I mean, a great example is family. You know, now maybe not all family, you know, some of you might have a family member that you're not partial to. Um, I'm not saying that's any of you. I'm just saying I've heard somewhere at some point in time that some people are not partial to all of their family members. But for the most part, we are kind of partial to our family members, right? I mean, like, they're our family, so we love them. We kind of favor them over someone else. Um, This is just part of just who we are. Um, If you have children, you are definitely partial to your kids, this past week, I was out in the garage, and, I, and, and you, you got to kind of understand our like neighborhood. We live in this neighborhood where there's lots of kids, and these kids play 24-7. So they're, my kids wake up, and they're like, I just saw Spencer on his bike, and can we get outside? So like basically, our kids are just outside playing. It's a lot of fun. Well, well this past week, I'm in the garage, and the door's open, and I hear the neighbor boy picking on my girl. And, like, Papa Bear, like, comes out. I'm like, what's going on here? You know, I'm like, I'm just like, I'm, I swear. You know, but it's like, we are partial to our kids. And I, I totally get that. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% guilty of that. And I think all parents are. Being partial is who we are. We have people in our lives that we are partial to. But does Scripture, does Scripture talk about this? Does Scripture talk about us 
being partial towards people. Most closely, what does it say about showing partiality within the church? Is there a scripture verse that will talk about us being partial here in a church service? Maybe on a Sunday morning. Could scripture possibly be this specific? And the answer to that is yes. Today we're going to read about what does it mean about, about being partial. And the Lord has something to say about us being partial within the assembly, within the church service here. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 2. And that's where, where we are going to be camping out today. And um, we are going to be looking at what God has for us in this area here. So in James chapter 2, it starts off this in verse 1. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Let me reread that first verse to you because this could be the entire sermon right here. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Today's message could be really summed up right there. You guys heard it. You guys are free to leave. Thank you. It was great. Just memorize this scripture verse, and that's pretty much all you need to do today. But he's going to have more to be saying on this, but this is such a profound statement and thought. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't end there. James is about to get into some details that this specific church at this specific time was struggling with. It says this in verse 2, 4, if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly. So right there, we get the setting for this. When you guys gather, when you, the church, gather, because he mentions the assembly here, he's literally talking about when Christians gather. So this, so, so this is a great example of a Sunday morning. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine, fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothes and says, you sit here in a good place, while you say, say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet, you have not then made, made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God cho chosen the poor or those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into courts? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? So, James is writing this book, and he is addressing a very specific issue that is taking place within this, this specific church. And basically what was happening is that they had this major issue going on, and when they would gather, when they would assemble, James had been made aware that there was some partiality taking place here. Was that when the church would assemble, there was clearly people getting favored and people who were not. And James points out the difference. And within this case, it's a rich man and a poor man. 
when he says, when a rich man comes in, you seem to show him quite a bit of favor. You know, you tend to show him some honor and you tend to say, hey, why don't you sit over here in a good seat? You know, there's a little bit of favoritism going on there. But then when the poor man comes in, there's not really a whole lot of honor going on here. There's not really a whole lot of respect. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, you can, you know, why don't you sit over there? Why don't you just sit at my feet here? There's, he, is, he is pointing out that there is some serious problems going on here when it comes to the wealthy person and the poor person in this church. The wealthy gets treated with honor, with respect. The poor, eh, thanks for coming, but not really. So he points this out because he is showing that, that this church is having this issue. And I think that this is important for us to kind of understand here because this is who the human nature really is. You guys may not realize this, but we are all partial. We are all, all partial to our family, to our friends. We have this thing within us to where we are partial towards other people. And now this is nothing new. Like you guys may not realize this, but this is nothing new. There's actually an Old Testament story where we kind of get to see a glimpse of this taking place. If you remember the prophet Samuel, you guys might remember him, Old Testament. He was a prophet. He was chosen by God. And Samuel was called to anoint the next king of Israel. At this point in time, Saul had been king, and Saul wasn't really doing too well. And the Lord spoke to like Samuel and said, Samuel, I want you to go to this household, and I want you to anoint the next king. But watch how partial Samuel is as we look and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. Watch, watch how this plays out here. And remember, Samuel is a man of God. This isn't just like some person. This is like the prophet. This is like the man of God at the time. This is the one who anoints kings says this, when they came, so he's over at Jesse's house, uh, it says in verse 6, when they came, he looked on Elam and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now what would make Samuel have those thoughts? We're going to find out here. But then the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his statue. Because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not what man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. So here we have a tall handsome man walk in. And Samuel just sees this guy. Now it's interesting because within the Old Testament. It is kind of weird that height plays kind of like. A role. Saul, the current king, he was a tall man. He gets anointed king here. So here is Samuel thinking, okay, the Lord's looking for another tall man. And Jesse's son comes walking in. And in Samuel's mind, it's, this is it. You know, he's, he's tall. He's handsome. He's the guy. And the Lord speaks to him and says, so, so, Samuel, hang on here, buddy. You know, you're you're kind of missing it here. You're, you're judging based on appearance here. That's not how I operate. But we, as humans, we, we have always judged on the outer. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's who we are. You know, if you see 
somebody wearing shabby clothes or, or like a suit, you, you make some sort of assumptions right away. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is good or bad based on, on, on just our whole thinking. This is just who humans are here. And now, some of you might be thinking, Pastor, I, I don't make judgment calls. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people that, you know, I don't judge anyone. You know, I, I've got one of these minds and, and like hearts that I'm just, I'm just totally open here and there's just zero judgment. It's simply not true. During the uh, psychological science um, journal that came out of a Princeton study, they, they decided to do this study on first impressions. Do you guys know how quickly our brains make first impressions on people? You guys just kind of like think about this. Like some of you might be thinking like maybe like two minutes, a minute. They say seven-tenths of a second when you see someone, you have already made, they have already made an impression on you. You have already formulated a thought about that person. Now, I'm a good thought, bad thought, but that is how quickly when we see someone, we make judgment calls. We make like, okay, this is like who I think this person is. And we do this all the time. I mean, you know, if, you know, based on people's clothing. Now, 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 I'm kind of old, so I went to high school in the 90s, and I see that there's young people, and then there's older people here that are like in the 90s. What are you, crazy? So when I went to high school in the 90s, we had people that dressed a certain way. And I remember, um, you know, my generation was the Columbine generation. We, I, was, I was literally in high school when the first mass shooting of a school took place, and they plastered what these guys looked like on TV. Well, the next day when you go to school... And if you see somebody that looks anything like those people, it was like instant judgment. And it was just, I mean, it was just, it was just like embedded. Even to this day, if I see somebody in a long trench coat, thoughts instantly come because of just how I was programmed and what I grew up with and the experience there. But we all have these judgment calls that we make. And the Lord is addressing this here in the book of James. He's saying that you guys are making these judgment calls. You guys are being partial towards certain people when you gather. When you gather on a Sunday morning, church, you can't be partial. you got to be thinking differently here. And that's what James is trying to get through to this church, was that they were having this partial thing happening here, um, and I think, how does this relate to us today? You know, like, so like, so like many of you might be thinking, well, I don't judge people based off of like their wealth or not wealth. And, you know, come on, Jeff, this is the UP. Most people show up to church, you know, in flannels and, well, maybe, maybe that's just me, you know. But like, basically, when we look around, we see people that kind of dress like us, you know. How does this take place within the American church today? And I want to ask you a question on this here because I'm about to, I'm, I'm about to get into like some waters that's going to be offensive, okay? So you may get upset here. Um, when you come to church on a Sunday morning, do you have a seat at your church? I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about any church. When, when you show up on, on Sunday, is there a certain spot that you tend to always sit? And um, do you kind of get into a routine of that specific spot, and you kind of sit in your area every time on a Sunday morning. I'm seeing a couple of smiles, and I'm not trying to pick on you here. I'm just, I'm just talking about an observation I've seen within the American church. That's not just 
just here, but we tend to pick a spot. And that's good. You know, it makes you feel that you're comfortable. It's your home. You know, when I go home, I got a spot. I got a spot at the dinner table. We all have our spots. But when we, on a Sunday, we come in and we find our seat and we find what usually happens is that we find our people. And we usually interact with our people because we usually sit by them and we, we're close to them and that's who we talk to, that's who we, we spend, spend time with. Um, it was funny, at my last church we did this big building project and we went from like a sanctuary that could hold like 200 to a sanctuary that could hold like 400. And the first Sunday when we went from the old sanctuary to the new sanctuary, it was hilarious. People walked in and they were like, like trying to find their seat, like because they had been so used to, because in our previous one, we had windows along one wall and it was beautiful and people sat in their areas. Well, the new one, the, the old one was like a rectangle. The new one was like a half circle. So people had no idea like where to sit. And it was actually funny. I remember standing like in the back watching people come in and they were like, I don't know where to go. So they would like try to sit in their somewhat area and it actually turned out to be a great blessing because people ended up sitting in all different areas. But see, what happens here is that we tend to become comfortable with who we sit by, by on a Sunday morning. We tend to sit by our people and we tend to sit here. And what happens, and this is not intentionally, I don't think, I don't think anyone comes in thinking, I'm just going to sit here and I'm not talking to anyone. But what happens is that we tend to have our people and when there's new people, they're just not that welcomed. And this happens, not just this church, I'm talking about all churches. This, this happens everywhere. On any Sunday morning, it's sometimes difficult for church people to recognize how we sit, who we are, who we constantly talk with. We become partial. So when someone new comes in, we're just kind of partial to just our people because that's who we are used to. Well, God has more to say on this. And and basically what James is trying to get at is us to be mindful of just other people. That's, that is ultimately what James is just getting at here. How can we as a church become mindful of just other people? Not just, not just our little world, our little bubble, but other people. And he's specifically addressing on a Sunday morning. Well, Scripture goes on here, and, and he has more to say on this in verse 8. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to, to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressor. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he said, do not commit adultery. He also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a, a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. He compares showing partiality to loving our neighbor. And I find this interesting here. That, that, that when a church gathers, that when people come together, when God's people come together, if we're showing partiality, he is directly comparing it to loving our neighbors. That like, listen, if you're going to show partiality, don't you realize this isn't just like, like a minor law. This isn't just like, oh, this is like maybe like a little sin. James is saying here is if, 
is if when churches show partiality towards people when they gather, we are breaking the royal law, that we are not loving our neighbors as ourselves. It's not just a little sin. James here says this is the sin. This is the problem. And for us, church, I, I just think we need to just really just kind of like grasp this here, that, that, that when we gather on a Sunday morning, when we come together, whether you're new to the church or been here 50 years, when, when Christians gather, it doesn't matter how long you have been a Christian, when, when Christians gather, there needs to become a welcoming. People need to be thinking upon other people. When you come to church here, whether this is your second Sunday or a thousand Sunday, when you come, the mindset of church has to be how can I welcome someone? How can I not be partial to my people? Yeah, I see my people all the time. I can see them on Monday. But Lord, when I come here, when I gather, I want to worship you. And in worshiping you, I'm going to love somebody else. I'm going to think outside of just who I am, but I'm going to go out of my way to welcome and to love somebody else. And I think that this is so vital for churches to get not just our church, but just any church. When you come to church, it's about thinking about somebody else. It's about saying, I want to I welcome them. I want to love them. I want to get to know them. I want to kind of brag on, since my wife is not in here, I think she is with the kids. Uh, she has grandparents, or had grandparents. They had passed away. Her grandparents, Lloyd and Jean, were inspirational on so many levels. I did not know them very long, but they built a church up in Ishpermine, they, they, they founded it. They physically built this church. They were, they were faithful, loving Christians. Every Sunday morning, Grandma Jean would get a roast ready in the crock pot. And she would get a roast ready and she'd get food ready. And she would make enough for her and Lloyd, but also for other people. And she went to church every Sunday knowing she, she was going to be inviting somebody over to have that roast. She didn't know who. She, she just woke up, made the roast, put it, put it going, and said, somebody's coming over after church today. It could be a new family. It could be friends. I don't know who's coming over, but I believe God wants, wants us and our family to be inviting somebody over. And they did this every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, it, she showed up to church thinking about somebody else. Not having a clue who, but just knowing God has called me to love people, and I'm going to love them how I know how to love them. And for her, it was cooking food. And they did this every Sunday. And I heard, I heard so many stories of this family of like, oh, I remember my, my first time coming. And yeah, Jean, Jean came up to us. We were new. And, and they just invited us over for, 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 for lunch. And then that's how we got, that's how we got connected to that church. And I think about that, and I think about us, church. My prayer and my desire is for us to become a church that's so loving and so welcoming that when people come here, that they instantly feel welcomed. That they just say, wow. You know, maybe somebody is church shopping, and, and they come here, and they're like, man, that pastor is boring. I don't want to listen to him. But they will remember how we love them. They will say, man, man, that, those people, they... These random strangers reached out to me. I had no idea who they were, what happened, but they just reached out to me. I had lunch with them. 
They, they talk to me. They welcome me. This is the mark James is talking about as a church. You know, he uses this example of a rich and poor man. But, but as we look at it today, the overall theme is how, how are we going to welcome people? How are we going to love people? How are we going to go out of our way? How are we going to sacrifice and love to help people feel welcome to the body of Christ? You know, because this is ultimately who Jesus is. Jesus came and welcomed this world. You know, he, he steps out of heaven, and I just, I'm, I'm so blown away by this, is that this is literally who our God is, that, that like our God sacrificed everything to welcome sinners, to welcome us. He literally steps out, out of heaven into time to come and, and welcome us and say, listen, come, believe in me, follow me, and you will have eternal life. Literally what James is talking about here is who our Savior is. And we as Christians ought to walk in the same manner of who our Savior is. And that's what I want to be leaving with you today. I want you to stand and I want to pray for us. And the worship team is going to be coming forward. And we're, gonna, we're going to be declaring who Jesus is. But as they come, I want to pray for us. And some of you might be thinking, man, I better... I better talk to somebody new today. Yes, yes, you should. That should be on your list every single Sunday. But let me pray for us and that the worship team can be coming forward. So uh, let us pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for your word in James this morning, Lord. God, it is a challenge to me personally. Father, how can we as a church be non-partial towards one another? Father, help us to be the church that you have called us to be. Help us to be loving. Help us to become welcoming. Help us to become sacrificial in how we invite others in. Father, this is the role of everyone in the church. And Father, I give you praise today. I thank you for how you've come and, and met with us. And Lord, as we declare the goodness of your son Jesus now, Father, come and speak to us, encourage us, and challenge us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.